Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world, bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors, covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. And friends, this is episode 10 of our spring series for 2022, and we welcome you to solar summer. We just got into the three-month period where we'll see the most sun in terms of day length and highest sun angle. These are the brightest days in the northern hemisphere, and with that being said, it looks like another cool and unsettled weekend for the Great Lakes and Northeast, but the heat that's going to be camped out this weekend in the southwest and southern plains will be heading to the Great Lakes and Northeast, finally giving those areas an extended and prolonged warm-up that's on the way for next week. We'll have details on that in the end of our podcast in the weather for the upcoming weekend and week beyond segment. In our first Rays of Focus segment this week, we have the pleasure of unveiling the latest version of the Weather Photographer of the Year contest from the Royal Meteorological Society in association with AccuWeather. Friends, sit back and relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. Friends, one of the great pleasures of doing this podcast over the last few years has been our association and friendship that has developed between AccuWeather and the Royal Meteorological Society over Weather Photographer of the Year. The seventh edition is ready to go. And one of the joys of that relationship with the Royal Meteorological Society has been my friendship with the executive director, Professor or Dr. Liz Bentley, joins us again to talk not only about this amazing contest and a few little tweaks and changes and how you can get involved in being the Weather Photographer of the Year for 2022, but as we usually do, I want to kind of get her thoughts on the state of the world, especially sitting in Europe, only 2,400 miles away from the war in Ukraine, how that's been affecting life for folks in Great Britain, and also how it's been affecting the meteorological community, not only with climate change, but just day-to-day operations. Liz Benley joins me now on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Liz, it's so good to see you and talk to you. I know uh, our listeners can't see you, but uh, my Zoom call, uh, your friendly face is good to see. It's been too long. I know you guys have had your tremendous cold shots and some very snowy intervals too. So uh, just a really topsy-turvy wild winter in Europe like it was here in the United States. Yeah, absolutely so. So and, and and I think even across Europe. So some some parts of Europe were experiencing well above average temperatures while the other half was experiencing well below. So you had that, you know, ridge of warmth coming north and a plunge of very cold air going south. So even even across Europe it was very topsy turvy as well. I guess from a UK perspective, um February was probably the month with the exciting weather. It was particularly wet and stormy. We had three storms coming through the UK in the space right. of about a week. 
uh, one of those probably Storm Eunice was the one that highlighted the most because that came across the southern half of the UK, most populated bit of the UK uh, and came through in daylight hours. So, you know, there were high impact red weather warnings, danger to life warnings uh, pushed out because of the timing and the position of that. So February, I think, was the highlight from an unsettled weather perspective. But the rest of the winter and even as we've kind of moved through April have been exceptionally settled. And particularly thinking about the rainfall or lack of rainfall, Mm. that's probably leaving us now going into the summer uh, months and the summer season just around the corner with water levels very low. So February was the only month where we saw above average rainfall. The rest of the months, you know, November, December, January, March and April, which was particularly dry as well. You know, we've seen well below average rainfall amounts, which for most people, it's joyous because you can go out and enjoy the weather. You don't get wet. But for gardeners, farmers and so Mm -hmm. forth, it's becoming a real challenge already. Yeah, I just came in from the garden to do this interview with you here this morning. And we're we're in a very progressive pattern here in the northeastern part of the United States now. We're just getting like wave after wave of low pressure and uh, just kind of repeated rainfall, which is uh, I find everything's off a month. April showers bring May flowers. But now we're keeping seeing those showers continue into May. And, you know, this this whole idea that, um, you know, we, we're definitely seeing the changes in the climate. If you look and been following the weather anecdotally over a a series of decades, you can see and feel the difference uh, no matter where you are. Um, And I know you coming off of climate change, it's got to be kind of tough now as we're looking at being into a two month long war, just 24. I want to put this in perspective, Liz, because I think sometimes as I think about the world and life right now, it's amazing to me that we have such an atrocious war going on just 2,400 miles from where you are in London. That's where Kiev is 2,400 miles to the east and basically almost due east. Like if if you could drive across the channel or take the channel, right, and then keep driving, it's the same driving distance as someone in the United States going from San Francisco to Cleveland. So that's how close that is to you. And it's just amazing to me, the rest of the world with all of that atrocity going on, is going along, obviously, with the effects of prices and inflation and problems with that. But um, talk a little bit to me about first, after seeing so many good and positive things at the climate change conference, what has the war in Ukraine with Russia done to that process? And what's it been like in Europe being that close to it, not only from a lifestyle standpoint, but also a meteorological standpoint? Yeah, so obviously, you know, the Ukraine uh, invasion of Ukraine has dominated the news. And um, I guess as the pandemic dominated the news, that means climate change as a news story, you know, it it struggles to get the, the coverage that it really probably deserves. But, you know, rightly so, there are these big stories out there that are just dominating the news. So so there's a newsworthy element to this that means climate change. So we've had some big reports coming out from the IPCC over recent months, and they probably haven't got the traction with the media that they would normally get because there's other big events happening. And those reports would be that the things that we're fearful of in terms of the, the rate of change, in terms of the numbers of the climate being warmer that acceleration is is real and and so everything that we've been talking about uh is is really being uh, brought about by the numbers and you're saying those are the kinds of reports that aren't getting the traction they should 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, climate change for me is probably going to have a bigger impact globally than the pandemic and, you know, the war that's happening in Ukraine. And I'm not saying these two events aren't important, but climate change will will have a much bigger impact on, on us as humans, on ecology and so forth. And for me, um, you know, action is needed now. And so when these reports come out, it's key that those messages get out to, you know, businesses, governments and us as the general public so that we can, you know, be educated enough to make some decisions. And, that, and that's the difficulty. So I don't want to diminish anything to do with the pandemic or anything no. to do with the war in Ukraine. But it just means that the climate change discussion. So we had COP26. There was a lot of media coverage. I mean, it, you know, right. it was well covered around the world, which was fantastic. Yeah, it was. In a, it was in a good time because the, there was a waning of the pandemic. Yeah. And this was a, a point that, you know, a lot of folks wanted to to certainly brought up. So, yeah, in the in the heart of the actual meeting. And I remember there was disappointment in maybe not getting as much done in that meeting as some yeah. hoped would be now with the other stories, the pandemic kind of reawakening. And then also now this war, it yeah. just uh, it's it's a tough spot for those messages to get across. And and I got to think. And this goes part and parcel with the second part of my kind of premise here. As a member of Europe, uh, I mean, you know, part of Russia is in Europe. And so whatever we were getting from Russia before in terms of anything, including data and and things like that about the pandemic and meteorologically, um, that's something that's lost now. Right. In the last couple of months, we've not seen that kind of data or or, or or does that stuff still come out from their weather agencies? Yeah, so fortunately, in one way, um, you know, meteorology crosses these boundaries. It doesn't have the kind of politics that, that is taking place. So, so data, uh, the science, we still have people who, you know, individual scientists in Russia that are producing papers that are still getting published. So we haven't completely shut down uh, the route for, for the science to advance. Um, if you take uh, the IPCC papers, you know, you had Russia and Ukraine scientists sat at the t- same table virtually right. um, having discussions about what go into the paper. So they weren't prevented from being involved in the, sci- in, in the science discussion. So the world of science, I guess, is continuing despite the, po- the politics between okay. those two countries. Uh, okay. and, and, you know, some people may disagree with that, but that's that's. that's the fact that's what's happening at the moment. So um, just in the way our life seemingly goes on with that, you know, I wonder if we will get looked on (laughs) down the road back and say, you know, what what were you guys doing? What were you, why were you allowing this versus this? And it's going to be an interesting discussion going forward, but I, I still can't get over just being that close, I mean, other than the same things that we're feeling in the United States, a, a massive increase in prices and petroleum yeah. and gas and and those kinds of things. Other than that, what's the feeling there? Is the, Can you feel it being that close to you? It doesn't feel like there's an imminent threat to, to us in the UK or, or even kind of Western Europe, but 
on the same continent, it's clearly on our doorstep. And like you, as you say, there's impacts on, you know, the cost of living because of the, you know, the the, the, the oil from Russia. We, we in the UK tend not to take any oil or gas from Russia, but there are a lot of European countries that, you know, rely heavily on it. You know, 60, 70, sometimes 90 percent of their energy comes from Russian gas and oil. So there's some big issues there. Food prices are rocketing because, again, Ukraine is that kind of food basket, you know, thing. Things, uh, whether wheat, that's cooking oil wheat, or wheat, exactly wheat comes from that area. I think is, yeah. is something that people have not taken an account of where we're going here in the next yeah. three, four, five years till yeah. you know at least who knows how long yeah. this conflict or this interruption will be. So yeah, it's it's. But, it's but I think I think for me, Dean, it's it's not just so much the proximity and the miles away. It's the fact that, I mean, you probably experienced this in, in the US. There's lots, because of the technology, because of social media, because of television, you can almost live the war day to day. You yeah. experience yeah. it, you see, you feel, you you know, you. we're very much aware of the suffering. People's lives have just been completely turned upside down. You know, normal lives like you and I going out to the shops and a restaurant and meeting up with friends and taking the kids to school and all of that just stopped overnight and it's it's coming to terms with that that i think is really challenging and obviously yeah. you know the death and destruction and you're seeing you know whole cities being demolished and bombed to the ground it's 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 absolutely shocking that something like that can happen in you know 2022 couldn't uh, have said that better myself we're talking with dr liz bentley professor liz bentley we're talking about about some maybe some happier things now which is the unveiling of the 2022 Weather Photographer of the Year contest. What is this, number six now? Total? Oh, seventh year. This is seventh our seventh year. year. And, and so it's been great to have this relationship with you and the folks at RMETS. It's been wonderful. And we've had so many contributions from people at AccuWeather. Jesse Farrell has been a judge and you know so many other great folks have stopped by and been part of this. So this is amazing to get this ready and a few minor changes that we want to talk about, but the, the gist of the contest, the weather photographer of the year contest is the same, right, Liz? We launched uh, on the 26th of April. So we've only just launched um, and, you know, it's open until the 28th of June, Tuesday, the 28th of June. So we've got that kind of window of three months where people can submit images um, that they've taken in around about the last five years. So um, there's a good window, the opportunity to take some photos now that you can submit, but even going back through the archive and having a look for some spectacular images. So the weather, the weather photograph, however you've taken it, and remember last year we added a new uh, really popular category for mobile device photographs, uh, but that can be within the last five years. Do you have to show proof of that somehow uh, when you when you submit or are we taking that everybody on their work? Yeah. So uh, the, the other thing that you'll note if you've been uh, and submitted in previous competitions is we're on a new platform this year. Okay. So, and we'll, we'll talk about I'll give the URL as we get uh, through the interview. But it's a platform called Zealous. And um, it requires a little bit more information that we collect when you submit the, uh, the photograph, uh, which just helps to, to make sure that, you know, it fits within the, the right category. Uh, the person who's taken it uh, is of the right age for the category. And, and again, the timing and the technology, the, the instrument that was used to take the photograph, we collect all of that information at the beginning rather than when we've shortlisted and going out to, to verify that. It just makes that whole process a little bit smoother. So, yes, we will 
verify all that information uh, at submission. We're also asking people to provide um, a, a category that they want the, the image to be uh, grouped in. So is it, yeah. is it a rainbow? Is it um, a fork? Uh, and that, I think, help, will help the judging enormously. If you imagine we had... I don't know what it was, 8,000 images nearly last year. There's a lot of images to go through, and we look for a really good selection of images. So we don't just want the really bold, dramatic ones. You know, you want a whole selection of the benign weather conditions as well. Right, and so, so you want really us to basically to... hashtag or give you some categories where this this photograph would fit in or, or even just one main thing that this kind of represents. Yeah, so we ask, we ask the photographer to do that. And that's, that's something awesome. we haven't done before. All this information that we'll be giving here will be put down in the notes section of the podcast. So uh, the new platform is Zealous, Z-E-A-L-O-U-S. Correct. So zealous.co, so just C-O, not, not okay. com, zealous.co. And then if you put forward slash Armex, it'll take you straight to the page within the Zealous platform. Right. So, and then also we should say if, the easiest thing I've always found is I can go to armets.org and get Absolutely. right there too. So it's a little easier if I want to check out everything else that Armets is doing. In addition to this, they'll always be prominently displayed. Hey, it's time. So new platform, a little more information. Um, again, we're in the period. It just started uh, about a week or so ago at the end of April, and we're going to the end of June Correct. in terms of uh, submissions now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So three three categories. We've got the main category, which uh, is for any image taken on any. You know, if you've if you've done it on a, a high spec camera, right through to a smartphone, um, you can submit to the main category. That that's so perfect. So this is but, like the the big the big granddaddy prize of them all, right? No exactly. matter no matter you don't want, and you can go to also a, a little subcategory, but if you want to be in the main show, this is the big category. Yeah, yeah. So, for example, if you were under 18 and you'd taken your picture on a smartphone, you can enter it in the under 18 category, the smartphone category and the main category. So, you know, you can you can go across three. So you've got the main weather photographer category. Then you've got uh, the mobile device one, which clearly is just for those that have been taken on a mobile device, uh, which means, you know, you tend to you still get some absolutely amazing, spectacular yeah, the, images. The resolution of my phone just blows me away on some of these pictures I'm looking at that I'm taking. And I was like, wait, does that come from my phone? I'm just, it's, I'm, I'm bewildered sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And then we've got the young category again, but, but what's actually nice about that this year is that the Zealous platform doesn't have an age limit on it. So we can bring in even younger photographers uh, into the competition, as long as they've got some guardian or, or adult to, to, to kind of uh, sign for them. So we could get some images from some, you know, some very young uh, photographers who are really just starting out and experimenting. So that, that could be quite exciting this year. So there was no, there is now no lower age limit to the under 18. If you're um, 17 or younger, you are, can, can be in that subcategory. What mobile device? So any phones, iPads, anything, anything that's not truly an SLR or Lord forbid yep, people are still uh, still uh, still doing the old uh, and I know they are they're 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 going old school and still actually doing photographs on paper and stuff. So um, if that's the case, then it's be the digital image that would be submitted of the the actual paper photograph. Right? Yeah, that's right, absolutely. And, and we've had images from um, 
you know, drones as well. Um, some people do proper panoramic or 360 degrees. So there's a whole, whole range of things. And, and none, of, none of those are restricted at all. So feel free to, to add them into um, whichever category you fall into. Uh, and you're allowed, each entrant is allowed to submit five photographs. So okay. that's probably the challenge for most photographers is choosing their top choosing five. Choosing the top five, right. All right. So again, submission period through the end of June. And then at that point, the judges will be pouring over those and coming up with a short list. From that short list, the judges will pick the winners in those individual categories, but will also be putting out and that'll come out when is that July? Usually that comes out the uh, the the the, uh, the short list that people can vote on for the public's favorite of then, right? Is yeah, so it'll works? it'll run it'll run over the summer. It's typically August that we run the the public vote. So we do the shortlisting, then we uh, open all of the images out for the public vote, which closes in September, and then we announce the winners on the sixth of October this wow. year. So, um, and and you know we we will have conversations. I'm sure during you know. As we get close Absolutely. to the closing date and, and so on. So, so judging wise, we've got Jess uh, Farrell again, which is fantastic. Nice. He's been able to join us. Uh, Joe Bradford is also joining me again this year as uh, as one of our judges. And Joe um, was one of our guest judges for the mobile category last year, but she's going to join all of the judging this year, which is fantastic. And in fact, Joe was involved in a launch event that we ran last last week. And if people are interested in, if they didn't manage to actually get along to the launch event, it was online, it was virtual, we, we recorded it. And I would encourage people to, again, to just have a quick look at the Royal Met Society website and we've got the recording of that. It was fantastic because we had three really um, experts in either photography or trying to find the right image to use in the media. So uh, we had a gentleman who works for uh, PA Media, which is a kind of equivalent of Reuters in the UK. Okay. Uh, and he was kind of saying, no, so as a, as a media expert, these are the images that I'm looking for to, to kind of publish, to tell mm. stories, you know, the story. Mm telling and so forth Very so that cool. was fantastic if you want to get some tips then uh, i'd encourage you to go and uh, listen into that that uh, launch event that we had last week as well and that uh, you can get at rmets.org and uh, right on the on the front page i'm sure there's a link uh, liz always great to spend time with you thanks for that perspective early on and we're looking forward to following this process all the way from now through october as accuweather helps uh, present a weather photographer of the year through our friends here at Royal Meteorological Society. It's going to be great. Again, yeah. thanks so much. Thank you. So looking forward to going through this process one more time with our friends at RMETS and our friend, Dr. Bentley. You can find her on Twitter if you would like to follow her there. It's Dr. Liz Bentley, D-R-L-I-Z-B-E-N-T-L-E-Y. That's her Twitter handle, and the Armets Twitter handle is Armets, R-M-E-T-S, Royal Meteorological Society. So we'll check in with again towards the middle of June and make sure that you're aware of the deadline for your submission of your entries, and then we'll follow along the process as we go from adjudication to fan voting and everything else in between. Armets. And Weather Photographer of the Year in association with AccuWeather here for 2022. Friends, when we come back, we'll take a look at the weather for the weekend ahead and the week beyond. I think some folks in the Northeast are probably going to ask for a refund here on the first full week end of May. That's coming up after this with everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com.
Stay up to date on the latest weather conditions with the AccuWeather app. And if you want hyper-local alerts down to your neighborhood or street address, upgrade to Premium Plus to unlock AccuWeather alerts. Enhance your safety today with Premium Plus. Welcome back into Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore, your host. And as many of you know, I've been on vacation this past week from my radio duties, but happy to be here for podcast duties. And honestly, I could have picked a better week in the Great Lakes in the Northeast. We've had a very progressive week with off and on rain situations, and we're settling in for what is really going to be another substandard weekend as temperature is going to be much cooler than average to start the weekend and a very wet weekend, too, from the Great Lakes and into the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast as we go Friday into Saturday. As this podcast drops on Friday, already raining where I am in Washington, D.C., and as this system moves up into the Northeast, it's just going to stick around, and then that area of low pressure is just going to kind of hang out along the East Coast. So for Mother's Day on Sunday, we're looking at uh, temperatures to start to warm a little bit in the central plains and out west. The heat really builds in the southern plains. Uh, Kind of a coolish but drier day in a lot of the northeast with the exception of right along the eastern seaboard uh, from the Carolinas up into New York City. Still wet after that soaking they're going to get Friday into Saturday. We could see some uh, amounts of rainfall in those areas, about a foot or two. But then as we get into next week, the pattern shifts. The area of uh, low pressure still sticks off the coast of the Carolinas, and that's going to be a problem with wetter weather from New York City down to the Carolinas and back into the Appalachians. But the rest of the Northeast, including Boston and back through the interior parts of New England and all the way like Pittsburgh and back to Chicago and down into St. Louis, all those areas are going to see and feel a warm surge, a prolonged and lasting warm surge, it looks like here as we go into next week. The coolness will take camped out uh, in the western part of the country. So Portland, Boise, you're all going to be cooler than average as that area of uh, cooler air sinks all the way down through California, not necessarily doing much for the dryness uh, in terms of changing that aspect, but at least cooling things off after being so hot. Got some areas of showers and thunderstorms that we'll have to watch in the northern plains and through western Texas, but again, warmer in the east, with the exception of this area of low pressure that's not going to go away anytime soon. So after a gloomy weekend, a lot of folks along the eastern seaboard, again, New York City down to, say, Atlanta, and along the coastal areas especially, are going to be gloomy into the beginning part of next week. I know a lot of that most people along the eastern seaboard don't want to hear because this has been kind of a topsy-turvy spring where we've been seeing a lot colder than average uh, situations. Friends, we want to thank you for listening to Everything Under the Sun here on Episode 10. Next week, we have a, a very exciting new service that has come out from AccuWeather. It's called Premium Plus. It's a part of our AccuWeather app, and it is going to allow you to expand your alerts and notifications for you to weatherproof your life even more than before. We're going to talk about that with the folks that developed it and uh, want you to use it from AccuWeather, and we'll tell you why you should. For our guests, Dr. Liz Bentley, for our executive producers, Andrew Robb and Ken Prell, and for all of the hundreds of AccuWeather team members that work so hard every day to weatherproof your life, I'm Dean DeVore. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week 
on episode 11 of our spring series as we go through May here on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 